Okay. Hello, climate change. Hi. How you doing? What? You want to... Oh, go ahead. Make moves. I just... Well, this thing is like almost hitting my nose. All right. Well, we'll do our best. Okay. This is an unprofessional podcast <laughs> hosted by yours truly, Amy Kalisher, and with my special guest, Jim McPherson, my husband. Hello. Hi. He sounds really... <laughs> The tone of voice is perfect. So let me first just uh, place this in time. So it has been quite a while since I've made one of these. I've done like 33 episodes and then took a long hiatus. Uh, And I've been thinking for the last month or so that I need to gear up. I want to gear up and do more of them. Um, And then we had an election. Um, This was less than a week ago. Um, We're still staggering around um devastated by the results and so decided at no time like the present right because uh, conversations can only help us process uh, <laughs> so what are you processing my love oh no yeah <laughs> i'm kind of i don't know i could must be similar to somewhat the stages of grief yeah uh, I don't know what part I'm in. I don't, maybe I, I've, like there's that denial phase and now I'm more into the anger phase. Like the, the denial part was more about like, what the hell? Like, how could this have happened? There's no way. This can't be true. Yeah. And now I'm sort of settling into, okay, so what do we do about this? I mean, so did you skip a few stages? In the process of grief, what are the stages? Well, anger. Did you go through some anger? Well, I think that's where I'm at now. No, yeah, I haven't (laughs) done any bargaining. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody to bargain with. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're gonna go. You want to go to the to Washington and be part of protests there. That's maybe that's anger. Yeah. Well, it's it's anger, but I think it's it's more of a reflection of just being awakened. Mm. to what this election really represents potentially. Yeah. And the desire to go to the million woman march um is a reflection of wanting to send a statement mm-hmm. that this is not business as usual like we're going to take you at your word for what you said during the campaign. And what you said is abhorrent. Right. And we're going to hold you accountable like you can't govern based on what you said and if you adhere to that you're going to have these kinds of eruptions regularly in in this country and it's going to be up to him to to enact the healing i mean it's not up to us to like get over it as a lot of people who voted for him would like us to do yeah. you know give him a chance well the stakes are too high to just sit back and say, all right, well, let's see how he does over the first 90 days. I don't feel like that's the the, the right way to orient yourself to this. Mm-hmm. It's like, why why would you believe that everything he said during the campaign was just bluster, was just was just campaign rhetoric to get elected? I mean, you mean that he would say radical things during the election yeah, and now become right. a cons- And now become a more of a reasonable person. Yeah. Why... You would you would really have some serious mental defect right. if you believed that was the case. 
So, so just um, <laughs> for anyone who's new to this podcast and, and hasn't figured out already, we are in the United States. and uh, In a blue state. In a blue well, state, to, I true. I guess you have to understand, yeah. explain what that means, but anyway. Well, yeah, go ahead and explain it. It means that we typically vote for Democrats. Right. And, and we're surrounded by uh, mostly people who share our points of view, though there were plenty of signs on the sides of the road um, with pictures of, you know, jail, with slogans like jail Hillary or some, you know. Hillary for prison 2016. Right. Yeah. Right. Those were bumper stickers mm-hmm. we saw. Yeah. Even in this in this state, which yeah. has, you know, all Democrats in the governor, you know, for governor, for Senate, for House reps, mm-hmm. everything. It's a blue state all the way up and down. Right. And we saw those regularly. <laughs> so one thing that's nice that's happening in our area, and, and it seems to be happening um, more than just in our circle of friends from what I'm hearing, is that people are coming together. They just need to process and think. And the kinds of conversations, I, like last night we went, a friend had a gathering and invited everyone over for comfort food and commiseration. And... Um, I know I sat on a couch and had the the most interesting substantive is that, is that the word conversation with a stranger that I've ever had at any type of gathering like this in however long I can remember where it wasn't me trying to force ideas down someone's throat but it was like a mutual you know sharing so I don't know there's there are things that happen I mean just you know just out of like I just think of what nine eleven when when the the twin towers were were bombed uh bombed you know what i mean but were taken down and a lot of people died and there was a lot of coming together in community that quickly turned to this sort of angry um we're going to get those bad guys like kill them all kind of thing took over which was very sad to see so i'm hoping that this time around when we're facing sort of shock and awe sort of feelings um we don't we don't go to to stay in anger. Like that's that's my personal feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a, a a podcast about climate change, and we have a climate change denier about to take the White House, and we are in the country that's using the greatest share of natural resources. And it's very, very bad news for the world. And a lot of people are reeling all over the planet. And I, I've been, I'm on some mailing lists and, and with international um, contributors and I'm hearing from all quarters. And one of the nice things that's come, that's come forward, um, for, you know, cause I, I, I've seen posts, like I have friends who are expats living in, in Europe who have posted on their Facebook how ashamed they are of America, you know, how, and, and, and that made me feel so sad and not, not that I couldn't understand the sentiment, but it's really nice to read posts from a woman in Nigeria and a woman from, you know, another place is basically saying, you know, I'm feeling for my sisters in, in the United States and, you know, you're good people. And, you know, just to remind us, like, cause we, I think right now, part of the feelings that people aren't exactly saying that are feeling bad about these results is that we feel bad about ourselves. We feel responsible and ashamed that we didn't do more or figure things out better. And I mean, I don't really need to, to decide whether or not those feelings make sense or not. They're feelings. We have those feelings. Um, 
But I do think there's something valid there in the work. We, we, we have work ahead of us. We have major work ahead of us. Um, one of the people at this party last night I talked to, um, who I'm hoping will, will be, a, who said she would be a guest on my podcast at some point, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, she made an interesting point. She said um, she talked about uh, basically the, the disconnect between um, those who were clear about voting for Hillary and those in, in our lives are, you know, maybe they're siblings, maybe they're friends, um, maybe they're your uncle or whatever it is, your coworker, those that are voting for, um, were voting for Trump and, and enthusiastically and how, how we have to learn to listen and understand what was behind that and respect that the concerns behind it are actually legitimate whether or not we agree with the approach to addressing them and somehow get on the same page and address those concerns. What's your thought? Well, I, I mean, I think that's true of humans in general. Yeah. When people have a chance to actually interact with each other, they tend to find commonality. Right. And I would, you know, I would love to think that that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for Trump supporters as well, that there are lots of overlap. You know, mm -hmm. if you did it like as a Venn diagram, you'd have lots of areas where the circles overlap mm -hmm. and you could say, see, these are all the areas where we could act, we, we actually agree and could actually work on things together. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, it just, because the campaign was so extreme, yeah. the, you know, the kinds of things that he was saying and the kinds of people that showed up to his rallies mm -hmm. and the kinds of atmosphere that they were promoting. Right. It's just hard to feel like they want to like be part of this. Mm -hmm. Like they want to sit down with somebody who supports taking on climate change. Well, and, no. yeah. you know, it just like I don't know where the common ground is. I mean, you could talk about the economic woes of the white working class and yeah, Bernie Sanders talked to those, mm -hmm. to those same issues. But that's not really what, I don't think that's really what people were voting on. Like, they're, they're, I mean, the Democratic platform was the most progressive that we've ever had. Mm -hmm. There was all kinds of stuff in there that would dramatically improve their lives. And that, that got completely overlooked. They weren't interested in hearing that. They weren't interested in really hearing what she was going to do to... to to make their economic condition better, you know? So there's a whole lot else going on there. Hmm. I, the, so I'm not, I'm not convinced that listening to their, you know, their economic woes is, is the, the solution here. But I think that here's my thought that if somebody is in pain and they don't think someone cares they're not going to be listening to that person who they don't think cares. So to, to get them to, to listen, you first have to listen. You know what I mean? Like if we, uh, it always helps me when I look at these big social sort of upheavals, uh, social situations, uh, um, societal things to just sort of distill it down to what if we make a metaphor of just one person and, and, and another person in a relationship and, and it seems to apply and I, I may, may be oversimplifying, but it feels useful to me, um, to say this, you know, if, if there's one person who's in pain and you come at them 
with points to make about, uh, you know, solutions and you haven't, they don't already feel like you care, then why would they listen? What do you, what, what, you're having I, I feelings. I want you to talk about that. I, <laughs> I can see it in your face. I, I don't, I think, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how Trump voters would come away with feeling like Hillary Clinton doesn't care about you. I mean, I don't, mm. I don't get where that's coming from. Yeah. I really don't. And somehow Donald Trump does. Yeah. Like this man who spent his entire life doing nothing but aggrandizing him, himself, literally, that's it. Mm-hmm is somehow now going to give his entire energy and all of his time to making your life better. I mean, that is the biggest con job we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please, seriously. So that's, that's where I, I come back to thinking that there was a lot more going on mm-hmm. than just... Well, some, what do you mean? What is the lot more going on? I think on there's here? sexism. I think there's racism, yeah. xenophobia, all of it. I think oh, there's yeah, yeah. men feeling like their status was was directly threatened, first by President Obama and, and then by Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And, I mean, 63% of white men voted for Donald Trump. Wow. 63%. How how do we know this though? It's a, it's a the votes are it's a secret ballot. How how can that be? I think a lot of it is from exit polls. Oh, well, okay. So sixty three percent of white men who are willing to tell what their vote was, yeah, and who were at the polls that right. were being that's polled. the best that so we know right that's now. That's our estimate. Okay. I guess the U.S. Census Bureau does another survey mm-hmm. uh, like a year later, yeah. and it's more accurate. Right. But from right now, the best information we have is that right. th- those are the numbers. Well, clearly, this is a podcast of us processing our devastation. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, one thing that was nice about the the uh, the gathering last night, our friend Beth put on, who's been a guest a couple times on this podcast, by the way, Beth Hudson Hankins. Um, she put on the wall these sheets of paper, and on one of them said reactions at the title at the top and the other said um actions actions right and And the thing that was really exciting to me was that most of us were crowding that page for to write down actions um reactions yes we have them we need to process them they need to be heard but but it's exciting that that to me that people are quickly kind of moving towards like what do i do now and and like we were saying this morning we're both not sleeping much (laughs) and i keep waking up at five o'clock in the morning feeling called to action and i'm tired but (laughs) but that's the time of day where it really hits me that that I, i i need to think that through and um, I, I had a conversation with a woman in the locker room. This is so cool to me that these conversations... I mean, you're standing in the locker room with strangers and we're talking about this stuff. Now, so, now, unfortunately, so far, we're talking to people who think like us, which is fine. It's a good place to start. But eventually, I think we need to talk to people who don't more and more and more with more and more respect and more just listening and then going away from those conversations that are going to be painful because it is sort of... It, it, it raises our hackles if not pierces our hearts when we hear these points of view that feel so dangerous and, and um, yeah, just hard to listen to. But anyway, this one woman in the locker room was talking about um, the challenge for her is in, in how emotional and angry she gets when she talks to someone in her life who voted for Trump and she just feels like she has to walk away because she can't, she just can't, you know? And, 
that's to me that is that is the work this country has to do like those of us who want to lead us in a better direction we just have to listen and we have to mm-hmm. then go, we don't we don't get to take out our feelings on the people who are in that place where they where Trump seemed like a good idea to them like you know that just isn't going to help but it's going to be very tempting to do that right and well i mean i think there is a potential there because i i don't think that that people that voted for him um, sign off on everything that he said or every every group that's celebrating his election. You know, there there are white supremacist groups that were vocally supportive of him and they're celebrating like crazy that this guy is now the president. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't think everybody that voted for Trump is a white nationalist or a mm-hmm. KKK member, right. you know? And so... I would like to hear from them that we're like they're not going to let him give in to those worst impulses that maybe he has or that he unleashed out there on the campaign trail. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be helpful for me to hear from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we seem to be talking a lot of those of us here in the Northeast and maybe on the left of the political spectrum about how we need to reach out and understand the Trump voter. Well, the same is true for them. They're, they're a minority opinion. Hmm. Hillary Clinton got the majority of the votes. Right. Like, where's the responsibility on them to assure us that they're not looking to, hmm. you know, to, to deport, you know, millions of people and that they're not looking to ban Muslims and that they're not looking to rip apart the social safety net, you know? Hmm. It's like, I need to hear that from them. Hmm. They, I don't... I don't think it's on us to 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 sit down and and open our hearts and listen to their fears without asking for nothing from them. That's interesting. I mean, they have the most power, and that's very. It's not patronizing that point of view. No, yeah, I think I think that's right. I think yeah, I, yeah to 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 sit back like they're disobedient children and say, well, we have to listen to their <laughs> to their tantrum. <laughs> you know, let's understand their tantrum. Yeah, yeah. you know. Come on, they're adults. In mm-hmm. fact, as as the major, I mean, the majority of them were white. Overwhelming mm-hmm. majority were white. So they have the privileged position in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, okay. So maybe my approach is not is not um, going to be. Maybe it needs some f- finessing, and maybe it's not going to be universally agreed upon. But maybe the the larger point being that we have to engage. With, yeah. And we, as white privileged people, <laughs> um, need to engage with other the people close to us who are, who have who also have privilege who can who can um, work on this issue who have the space in their lives like there are a lot of people who don't have any space in their lives that they're yeah. working two jobs or three jobs and raising kids and you know um, and you know we have our, it's not like we're in. Uh, easy street but you know comparatively yes we are it's just unfortunately like we have such a skewed vision in our country of what what wealth is because we're we're, our country is so wealthy (laughs) so that's one thought the person that trump is looking at to to head the epa the environmental protection agency is of course also a climate change denier and that that might be a place to take action is to oppose that. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. Well, 
So one of the things that I did, uh, talking about taking action, was yesterday I wrote uh, an email to our two senators, who are both Democrats, Richard Blumenthal and Chris Murphy, and I and I basically just told them, look, you, I'm I'm expecting, I'm demanding that you do everything you can to block this guy, this mm-hmm. agenda, Good. and and it would include climate change, it would include human rights, it would include all the economic stuff that they're looking to do, um, that they have a responsibility, they have a moral responsibility to us as voters who, the majority of whom do not agree with Trump and, mm-hmm. and the whole Republican agenda that, that came through in this election. So I, I plan on, on doing that regularly throughout these next four years, mm-hmm just reminding them that they have a responsibility to do that. And if that means, you know, using these parliamentary maneuvers to stop legislation or filibustering to filibustering to block nominations of people who are like climate change deniers, then, then they need to do it. And we need to hold them accountable to do that. And, and just for the sake of people who um, don't know the term and especially for people who are not in this country and shouldn't be expected in any way to know all the term, all the nuances of how our government works, do you want to explain what filibustering is very well, briefly? Well, yeah, it's a rule for the U.S. Senate that, that basically says a, um, a, a minority of the um, party, a, a minority of the members can block any legislation from going forward. Mm-hmm. So it takes, it takes 60 votes to overcome a filibuster um, and allow a piece of legislation to go through. And right now the Democrats have enough seats that the Republicans could not get any legislation through, um, you know, if they enact the filibuster. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's not great. I don't particularly like it because the Republicans used it for right. eight years. Right, it's sort years. of a, almost a bully, not bullying, but something, yeah, it's not... Well, it's a way to thwart a... It's a forced yeah, solution. It's, right? it's a way to thwart a president from being able to implement their agenda, mm-hmm. which is what the Republicans did with Obama for right. eight years. Right. They used right. it very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. So, we, yeah, it's it's going to be... It's going to come down to that, I guess, sort of like hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> um was there yeah. more? Unless, unless. <laughs> well, I, I kind of sidetracked us into a, into the definition of that, but I'm trying yeah. to remember what the point was, the original point was. Well, just when I was talking about writing the our senators. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so great that you did that writing to the senators because that's citizenship, and I think I, I was thinking that it would be so great if somebody. And I'm putting this out there, and hopefully one of you listeners will take me up on this, who has the skill and the and the space and sort of the follow through to pull it off, to put together a little online tutorial course, like just a series of videos. You could use Skillshare, and you could make money off of it. Um, um, for example, where you just give us citizenship 101, like what are our powers as citizen? What do we do? Obviously, vote, but there's more. You know, one thing that's been interesting to me as a strategy in organizing and political action has been um so like what i'm thinking in particular is the dakota access pipeline which um if you haven't been following it 
do a search on DAPL um, online and start reading and watching videos. So there, it's just not, it's barely made it into the mainstream news. Um, and it has done that after months of, of, of protests were happening and years, years of, um, of just like egregious history of um, government taking over parts of um, tribal lands um, and then now turning them over to this this effort to put in a is it natural gas pipeline or I can't remember what what the pipeline actually has in it but that's what I think it is um, and uh, you know there's a lot of sort of peripheral issues that um, that you know were used that are that matter but also were kind of used as as ways to get political traction around trying to block this from happening having to do with um for instance there being um sacred sites to the to the tribe there um that were going to be destroyed that were that have already been destroyed at this point um but really the the number one most important um issue is is water because it's going underneath water that serves quite a lot of people. Um, and these pipelines tend to have problems, leaks and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, this is a huge threat to, 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 to survival of humans. If, 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 as these things happen, it happens there. So, um, anyway, so there's been protests there where people have been trying to stand up to, um, to uh, the the people trying to put in the pipeline, and rather than police being called and then police taking on the issue, there's been private um, security companies called in, and the private security companies have done things which is basically taking the law into their own hands, using dogs, having these dogs biting people. Um, there's video from Democracy Now um, with Amy Goodman there. Um, um, showing the dogs biting, showing people injured from the dogs biting. Um, eventually they took the dogs away. Um, there's been lots and lots of other stories since then too, around this drama and that using rubber bullets and just, there's been, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. So there's a lot of backstory here. Um, so there's this frontline action, but also behind the scenes, um, there's actions against the banks that are funding the work and like, um, TD Bank. What does that stand for? We were talking about it last. Toronto night. Dominion. Toronto, right. So that's one that had <laughs> we, that is a funder. We of, learned that from a Canadian. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was there last night. Um, but um, and there's a bank in Norway, I think it is, um, that that was responsible responsible for about ten percent of the funding, and because of political pressure that was put on them, um, they withdrew from it. So they lost 10% of their funding. And that's the kind of thing where like a lot of us, you know, we feel like, oh, I just want to go there and be part of the, you know, be another sort of piece of muscle um, in the fight. But there's maybe ways that we can be strategic. Um, you know, maybe going there is unrealistic for our lives, but but sending letters or moving our bank accounts or, you know, um, speaking up in the in the the financial trenches is is another way we can we can affect things and we know that the financial world is important to Donald Trump so so you know things things can happen there so um I don't know, it's going to be an interesting time, but I do think I need that citizenship 101 and I need to get really clear on where I'm getting where where are the the 
narrow in on the on the a few reliable sources to get my news um so that I can sort of stay abreast on on how people are being affected locally and what kind of actions are being taken and the fact that that's hard you know it's easy to feel like it's me I'm not good cuz I you know I'm not this is very clear in my household I live live with a man and a and a young man who are very engaged in the news and understand remember the names and all the players and all that and I feel like I'm stupid because I don't keep up with it at all but I have to remind myself that I'm more interested in it would be so I would be listening to the news if the news said something like this particular organization is is organizing a protest for Thursday night on the green. Show up at eight. Bring your blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, if you want to protest this particular bill that's about to be voted on in the house in the Connecticut House or whatever. If that was in the news, rather than hearing in the news just that they just passed it and and this is the law, a new law. You know, it's yeah. like after the fact, it feels not very empowering right. in the way that I want to be empowered. There's it's way too early to to for me to really ponder like silver linings. Okay, but <laughs> you, there's a but you're gonna say. But yeah. um, I do sense not only in myself but in other people that I talk to a desire to be more active yeah. and get more involved. Right. And I'm I'm personally I mean I'll admit this I'm I'm embarrassed at the the lack of involvement that I've had hmm. in in the political process or just in the, in the public sphere, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the last time that I went to a protest was during the Reagan years Mm -hmm. around our interventions in Central America. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's been 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, Uh, and I've, I've been missing in action. That's the way it feels like to Mm me, you know, I've been busy like working and raising a child family stuff and somehow, I've made it okay in my mind to just read about the news and be informed and vote intelligently, but mm-hmm. somehow that was enough. But it's quite clear, given what we just got, that that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are probably feeling a similar way. Like, what what do I do? What do I do? And, you know, if it took Donald Trump to get me off my ass, then... I'm really sad that it took that. Yeah. But in some ways, I'm I'm glad that I'm at least feeling that desire. Right. Like that's that's a positive sign for me that I'm not I'm not feeling like overwhelmed and wanting to just go like immerse myself in whatever TV show or mm-hmm. the football games today or whatever. <laughs> you know. It it's it it just feels like this is this is one of those generational times where if you're a caring person who pays attention you you got to do something Hmm. so hearing that i mean it sounds great but i imagine and this is not cynical i think this is realistic because i've gone through it myself you know a year and a half ago i had a wake-up call around climate change and felt determined and similarly to you, but like within a couple of weeks, I was completely just swamped with emotion and was, I was crying every day. I was like just overwhelmed and it didn't stop me. It kept, I still kept moving. 
Um, you know, I recorded 33 episodes of this podcast as an effort to sort of motivate and, and, and not just motivate, not really motivate probably isn't the central thing, but to wrap my mind around this. And also, I think also to help others wrap their mind around it, the people I'm talking to and also the people who are listening. Um, but there came a point where it just, the, the discouragement kind of crept in and overwhelmed and um, I think we, it would be good to just say that that will happen to all of us. Discouragement happens. We're not mm-hmm. bad people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't, it's our fault, but it's not our fault. You know, we kind of inherited a world with, with uh, irrational tendencies and grew up with the message that there was little we could do about it. And it's sort of like we have to we have to decide to believe differently. And that's a discipline. And it takes time and it takes trial and error. So we'll we'll do it. We'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um Yeah. So, so protests, huh? Climate change? Yeah, climate change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's well, we're up one degree. Yeah. And uh we just went through the five hottest years on record. Right. Um we our country is still largely in denial in my opinion since that isn't the thing that dominated the debates that that is not the thing that's dominating the news now. In fact, there wasn't one question about climate change in the three debates. Right. Right. I think maybe Hillary said the word environment once in the three debates or something like that. I could be wrong, but that's the way I remember yeah, it. That, well, you're remembering more than I heard. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it was completely missing. Completely yeah. missing. Yeah. Which just boggles my mind. Right. Um, one thought that I keep having is, well, we live in this country that, that uses far more than our share of the world's national natural resources. Um We've become accustomed to be to to feeling okay about that. I mean, we don't really feel okay about it, but yet we don't turn off our laptops and, and phones at night when we go to sleep. We just burn power while we're sleeping um, because it's just too much trouble to press the off button. Um, you know, it's there is a disconnect, and you know, I I am very clear that so far we've been thinking very small in terms of like getting very vigilant with ourselves about recycling and doing such things as turning off our computers, but that that's as far as we've been able to think is to be like, well, you know, our personal, our personal use, but it's really our infrastructure and our, our larger sort of, um, the way this is reflected in our larger lives, the people that we care about feeling like we can live far from each other and travel a lot to to be close to the people that are most important to us and there's not I don't think there's a lot we can do about that right now in terms of convincing the people we care about to all move together into one enclave or something like that I don't see that happening but I do feel like we we what we have to do is expand our circles of care to to beginning with the the people who live right next door to us and um and just sort of fortify those relationships. I mean, I'm I'm encouraged that our next door neighbor called this morning to talk to you, Jim, about 
your plans to go to Washington, hmm. you know, yeah. and suddenly I'm seeing this image of, of, I don't, I don't know that I'm in on this trip. It depends on what's going on, but like the two of you, at least traveling down there together, like this is, you know, we're friendly with our neighbor, but suddenly we're, and we're friends with our neighbor, but suddenly we're really going to be friends with our neighbor. Yeah. if Those kind of things happen. Yeah. <clears throat> we have neighbors on the other side who I'm, I'm very, I would bet probably voted for Trump and, and feel okay about things and maybe a little misgivings here and there about some of the things he said, but not overly troubled by it. Right. <clears throat> I want right. to get closer to them too. So, well, ultimately we're going to need them too. Yeah. Like, like you were saying before. Right. Well, I mean, we have a new house going up across the street from us and, uh, we've never had, I mean, Connecticut is in a drought. We were told, you know, the science looked like, the way climate change was going to happen, that we were in a part of the world that was going to get wetter and was probably not, it was going to get hotter, but not in in a, as devastating a, a way as drier parts of the world and places closer to the uh, equator. But we're in a drought and already. And it's I, I anticipate this may very well get worse. And we might be, have to organize with our neighbors to be like, look, we're, we're, we're all tapping into the same water table here. Like, you got to stop... I'm not okay with you watering your lawn. We're going to be getting into each other's business, you know. <laughs> yeah, never it's going to, to be necessary. Yeah, we've never had to worry about that before. Yeah. On our property here. Right. Yeah. So we should probably wrap up. Is there anything else you want us to add? I guess, like, I just want to make another pitch for contacting mm. your your Congress people. Mm-hmm. Um just to let them know that you're there because whether we believe it or not, those, those men and women are very sensitive to public opinion and they are, especially if you're writing from their home, from their home state and in their home district, if they're in the house of representatives, that means something because they know you vote. (laughs) And if they hear a lot of you, that's going to have an impact on them. So, so please take 10 minutes, even if it's like three sentences, you know, please don't support Donald Trump's agenda. I've, I live in this state and I vote. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> you that, know, beautiful. something that simple. Right. Um, that will mean something. Yeah, that's a, I like that you even gave a template. <laughs> and then you just go on to Google and write in, who is my, who represents right, me? If and, you don't, and then it'll get, tell you immediately. It'll tell you. It'll give you their email address. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, and I will say that I have um, an agenda of my own here for this podcast going forward. I, I'm hoping to have a conversation with my friend who's a climate scientist again and get an update um, on how she sees uh, the science now. Um, she didn't use the word optimist um, when she described herself. I think, I can't remember how she put it, but but she but she talked about that she's hopeful. Um, so I want to find out if she's still hopeful um, now that you know science, more science yeah. has been is coming in, and now that we have Trump as president, right? She was hopeful under a different president. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to talk to her. I want to talk again with my friend who's. Um, who's a conflict resolution buff as a um, social worker um, working in the healthcare system now. 
Um, I want to talk to this new friend I met last night who works for a Hispanic women's health center and um, has her finger on a different pulse than I, any of the previous ones I've spoken to. Um, and I want to talk to my friend who's a sociology professor who talks about who teaches about the sociology of climate change and how what things are going on in her classroom. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a nice list of women that I want to speak to. And I've gotten su- suggestions from um, from some of you listening and from uh, other friends for other people to to interview. So I'm going to work on all of that and just continue to plow ahead with this and continue to sort of hopefully create a little oasis of of sanity and useful thought um, on the internet on climate change. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.